Well, my name is uh, Bob Martin. For those of you that are joining us for the first time and those on live stream, if you don't know who I am, I'm the lead pastor here at St. Paul, and I'm so glad that, that you are worshiping with us. We're in our Lenten series, and I've been explaining over the last couple of weeks that the importance of Lent is for us to take a time of introspection. You know, as Christians, it's important that, that we not only seek God in all the good things, but that we are reflecting internally. We learn, uh, King David wrote in the Psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God. We know that we are constantly to be looking inwardly as to what's happening inside of us that affects the very soul of who we are and that reflection of the image of God that we portray to the world around us. So in this time of introspection, we're searching and seeking and rooting out and, and cutting away those things that are in our lives that separate us from God, that separate us from each other. And we've been talking about um, how all this began. It began in the garden. We've been starting back in the story of Genesis. And I've kind of been keeping us centered around Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and, and looking at those significant words to remind us of the story that the devil had been trying his best to deceive and continues to work to deceive us today. We've been learning how crafty how deceitful the serpent was and continues to be today. That the same words of deceit that he gave Adam and Eve, he constantly is berating, berating you and me with those same words in a different language that we understand today. That's what led to the fall. The fall, which means that we discovered our depravity. We discovered our sinful nature because Adam and Eve believed in the deceit and the deception of what the devil was saying. And because of that, we are a part of that lineage. And therefore, we are sinners too. You know, I wanted to make sure that we understood. Isn't this kind of a cool looking thing? Does this look shiny? Does it look enticing? You know, this, this, is, this is kind of like our representation made from our arts department here at St. Paul. Isn't this cool? You know, I said I want, I want something really shiny. Now, this is real gold. Did you know that? Just kidding. No. I, you know, because I, I kind of wanted to think about what was it that really enticed Adam and Eve? What was it that got their attention? And, you know, this is one of those things where if I'm not careful and I leave it here, you're going to be watching this the whole hour. Did you, did you catch I said the whole hour? <laughs> Some of you are going like, take it away so it's only 10 minutes, Okay. No, so, so, you know, the devil continues uh, to create doubt. The devil continues to deceive. And, and he puts these things in front of us, and he distorts us with lies. As, as I said before, Adam and Eve were created in God's image, and we learned that, that one of the first things that the devil said to them was, you're not like God. The devil said that, that God did not give you his best, that God is holding back. That, you know, when he talks about all this stuff in this garden he wants to give to you, do you remember what he said? That he said that you can't eat from any of those trees. Remember last week we looked at that, and we know that's not what God said. God said you can eat from anything except for that one tree which has this fruit. And the devil began that lie. So let's go back and look in Genesis 1. What really happened? God said, let us. So, so here we have what I think is the first definition of the Trinity. You know, people are like, you know, how do we explain the Trinity? Well, God says here in the beginning, let us 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us, God, make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created who? Them. So God created us, males and females, in God's image. God's not withholding anything. And I think it's really important for us to understand this because sometimes, as I, as I pointed out last week, we talked about how doubt sets in. That doubt gets in our minds and we begin to doubt that we're of value. We begin to doubt that we're worth. We begin to doubt, could God or anyone else even care? And I shared with you the importance of that. If you missed that message, go back in our archive, either on YouTube or on uh, stpaulumc.org. Uh, if you missed my Wednesday at 1, Digging Deeper, we talked about doubt, and um, I'm also going to be uh, expounding upon another piece this Wednesday, Wednesday at 1, Digging Deeper. Uh, find us on Facebook as we talk more about some of these specifics that we learned on Sunday. The truth was, if they ate from the forbidden tree, God said that they would die. But the serpent said, God didn't say that. Surely. You won't die, is what he said. So the enemy made it seem like uh, God was trying to keep Adam and Eve from the best. And the enemy was trying to deceive them to think that God was somehow short-circuiting and shortcutting this relationship. That where God was presenting this all-encompassing relationship for them, the serpent was saying, God's not really telling the truth. You know, you can't really have it as good as he's promising but if you just listen to me, the serpent said, if you just follow what I'm going to tell you to do, I can show you how you can change all of that. And that's where we saw everything begin to happen. You see, the enemy lied to Adam and Eve, and I believe the enemy lies to us today. The enemy creates these negative thoughts, these negative thoughts that circulate and permeate into our mind. They're the thoughts that we talked about last week. They're the lies that we get told. They're the things that, that we get suckered into believing and buying into. And if we're not careful, we realize and recognize that all of a sudden, we believe those negative thoughts in our heads. I, I'm not real sure how it works, but, but, I, but I do know that negative thoughts can come running so fast into your mind that, that you might be having a great day and all of a sudden, there's a negative thought. Does that happen ever to you? You're, you're just going along and enjoying life and all of a sudden it comes and boom, you're like misdirected off of the good things that God has plans. You see, the negative thoughts come, come racing in and then they start to reinforce themselves in our minds and they start to convince us that we're not as good as we think God had created us to be. We identify with it, it becomes a part of our identity. We begin to believe these negative thoughts that we start telling our friends that these are the bad things about us. And we start believing that and then we convince our friends to believe in the same thing. And those negative thoughts derail us. Last week I said that they led to doubts. This week, guess what they lead to? They lead to discouragement. Say discouragement. Say it defiantly. Discouragement. discouragement. You know, we don't want discouragement. Discouragement. No, that means that we're okay with it. No, we don't want discouragement. 
We want to be freed from what this is. You see, we may not give up when those negative thoughts come, but God says we've got to be strong through that. And we've got to move forward with it. Some feel like a, feel like a loser. They, they get mad at themselves. They begin to believe into the discouragement that comes. They begin to believe that they can't achieve any of the goals that they've set in life. Discouragement can become so heavy that it, that it almost stymies who we are. And discouragement can keep us in bed all day. We just don't have the strength to get out. It's because the enemy places that doubt. I see discouragement come in a couple of areas as I talk with people and as even as I have seen in my own life. When, when there's a health crisis, discouragement can come. Discouragement comes because we want what's best. We want our loved one or our friend or, or the person that we're praying for. We want there to be some majestic healing. We want it to be over with. We want them to be fine. But if you are the person whose health is being effective and all of a sudden you can't do the things that you used to do, you can't run like you used to, you can't keep up with your family like you used to, you can't perform at work like you used to, you, your putting game isn't good anymore, okay? Discouragement sets in. How about relationships? I see this happen a lot. I talk with people who say, you know, we began a relationship and I knew that I knew that I knew that that was the person. It was my soulmate. And I put my entire life into them and invested that. And we, we have spent our whole life together. We, we've gotten married and we're loving each other and all. And then what happens when there's a moral failure? discouragement. Everything you had hoped and believed in is shattered and it changes and doubt and discouragement come in and you convince yourself through your discouragement that I'll never find anybody else, that my life will not be happy at all. Listen to me. The enemy knows that he can't beat you himself. He beats you because you beat yourself. He beats me because I beat myself. He can't beat us, but we beat us because we buy into the deception and we buy into the discouragement. Here's how it works. He fills our, lie, our, our mind with lies, lies that, that you're not good enough, lies that, that life is hopeless, lies that, that you don't have what it takes to succeed, lies that, that you will never find love or you will never be loved by anyone or you will never love anyone ever again, lies that your best days are behind you. He tells you lies that you aren't smart enough, that you aren't tall enough, that you're not chiseled enough, that you're not thin enough. He, he continues to feel that you're not handsome enough. The enemy fills our heads with words and ways of discouragement. And it began because of this. The original lie given to Adam and Eve. Here's what I've learned so far in life. I've learned this. I, I've, I've yet to meet a person who gives up because life is too hard. But I meet people every day who give up because they're discouraged. Did you catch that? I rarely meet a person who gives up on life because it's too hard, but I meet people every day who give up on life because they're discouraged. There's a huge difference that comes with that. The enemy bombards us so that we make those bad choices. The enemy misleads us, deceives us, has us go after the shiny objects, the objects that, that don't lead to life, 
but instead lead to death. And he gets us to beat ourselves because he doesn't have the power to beat us on his own. It's called discouragement. What's the answer? Well, I mean, what, what, what can we do to stop this? Okay, so I've presented the case that, that we're being bombarded with this stuff. What, what can we do to, to stop this? We have to recognize the lies. We have to recognize that this does not come from God. We have to recognize that God would never deceive us. We have to recognize that God would never withhold from us. We have to recognize that God wants nothing but the best for us. And that's found in Jesus Christ. And that winsome attitude that comes in Christ means that we can overcome. Just because that negative thought, just because you're feeling discouraged, doesn't mean you can't defeat it. You have to want to. You have to stand firm. In Jesus, there is freedom. In Jesus, there are no lies. In Jesus, there's nothing but God's plans before us. In Jesus, there is life. And this is the significance of what we need to see. You see, God has given you, God has given me, he's given us the ability to recognize these things. God has given us a mind that we, that we translate into a mind when we accept Christ into our life. We say that we now have the mind of Christ. God has given us the mind to recognize what is right and what is wrong. God has given us the ability to see that the shiny things aren't truth. And we have to make sure that we battle that every day. Peter said, beware, because the devil is crouching outside of your door. And, and he's looking for the opportunity. And our strength in our faith, our strength as we draw closer in our relationship and our love of God, when we recognize this all overwhelming and encompassing love of God, we know that we know that we know that we can defeat what the evil one is saying. Instead of being discouraged, instead of believing the lies that you can't change that, start believing that you can, that you are loved, that you have value, you are worthy, you are a child of God, you are loved by God, and God indeed has a plan for your life. A lot of us go into life and we wonder, what am I supposed to do with my life? I saw an article um, just two days ago now that in Florida there's a bill in our Senate that once that that kids that are in college have to declare their major before they'll get any scholarship money because they, they, they don't want them to go to, to school to find where, what direction that they're going. They've got to declare it up front. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I went into college the first day. I knew I wanted to be a businessman, but I didn't know what kind of business. Ultimately led into a degree in finance. But, but the whole point is, is that we have to know that there's a path there is a place, and God is leading us in that. You and I, we have greatness inside of us, and in every moment, we have the capability to do great things. How do I know that? Because Jesus told us so. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, listen, um, if Jesus is speaking, he doesn't need to say, let me pre-qualify this statement because it is truthful. It's not like he has that person reading the little fine print, the following statement is true because it's by Jesus. But he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Listen to me. 
If we have faith, we will do what Jesus was doing. Think about that. We'll be leading people to God. We'll be healers of brokenness. We will be people who will feed the poor. We will free people from the captivity. We will no longer see them living in the darkness, but we will bring them in light. But here's what he says. Not only will we do what he did. Listen to what he says. You will do even greater things than these. Ow. The promise of Jesus, not only will we do what he has done, but we will do greater things than he has done because he's going to the Father and he'll do whatever we ask in his name. Now that does not mean, Lord, give me the island of Hawaii. It's not what that means. That what we ask that brings glory to God, that what we ask that brings glory to God, that that is the advocacy that he provides for us. And he says that, that you will do greater things so that the Son may bring glory to the Father and you may, may ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. Listen to this. Whatever we ask in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God the Father, he will do. It's his promise to bring glory to the Father. We have greatness inside of us. We have been created for greatness. Remember I talked about that two weeks ago. Don't, don't put on your humble side and say, well, I can't be great for God. No, you can be great for God. You're not great as God, but you are great in God. There's a big difference. And, and that greatness comes. And in every moment, we have the capability to do great things. But most importantly, the best is yet to come. Some of us have been waiting. Some of us pray daily, Lord, just give me a purpose for my life. Lord, just reveal to me, what is it that I'm supposed to do? If you've ever found yourself praying that prayer, listen to me. Your greatness and your destiny has already been revealed. Take the step and do it. Let God lead you. He's already provided the way. Just follow him, and he will make it happen. I love what Jeremiah, Jeremiah was one of the great prophets that we read um, in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah is writing to the people of Israel when they have been hauled off into captivity. Now recall the story. Babylon had come in and ransacked all of Jerusalem and, and Judea, the northern and southern kingdoms, and they began to take the people into captivity. They took them out of their land. They stripped them of their religion. They could no longer worship Yahweh. They could no longer worship God. They made them marry outside of their, their clan, so to speak. They had to marry people that were, that were different than them, who had different religious aspects and different religious practices because the enemy was trying to distort and remove all the image of who God was in them and said, I'm making a different people. And Jeremiah writes these powerful words. Listen to them. I know the plans that I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. There's God's promise that when we seek him, he brings us back out of whatever is holding us in captivity. It's the promise of God. 
If there were any people who were confused to their identity, if there were any people who were discouraged, if there were any people who had doubts, it was the Hebrew people during this time of their life. They didn't know who they were anymore. And yet God speaks to this great prophet and says, my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. Just seek me with your heart and I will send you on to a future that I have planned, a future of hope and a future of promise. You see, God has a plan, not just any plan, God has a plan for you. And that's what is so important for us to recognize. But think about it. How does God have a plan for us when Adam and Eve screwed up? Jesus was in an upper room. 